The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymore, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. Saint Anselm From the time he was six years old, Anselm had heard of Lanfranc from Victor. When you are grown up, Signor Anselm, the good God will guide your footsteps. They will go the road Lanfranc took if you pray. Ask La Madonna to help you, little one, for the glory of God and Italy. She will teach you to fight always for God. It was to Victor that Anselm turned that winter day in 1052 after his mother's funeral. A dry-eyed, bitter man. I came to say goodbye, Victor. Where will you go, Signor Anselm? To Burgundy first, France perhaps. And uh, Normandy, Signor? Later, maybe. L'Enfant is in Normandy, at the Monastery of Beck. Yes, yes, I know. That's all past, Victor. Because, Signor, your father refused his permission when you were 15? Because you no longer fight? That's enough, Victor. And what of your father, Signor? It's better if I put the Alps between us. <sighs> si, Signor. I am ready, Signor Anselmo. You're not going anywhere, Victor. Before she died, Madame, your mother, gave me my order, Signor. That was because she still hoped that I'd change my mind. About what, senor? I have no intention of entering a monastery, Victor. The sickness is still in you, senor. I tell you, I'm not sick. You have ceased to fight for God, little one. 
for God and La Madonna. And that is your sickness. Stop. Will you please stop? Si, senor. Shall we go now? I am not taking you with me. Suppose Monsigny Pass is closed. Then we walk over the top of the island. You are mad. Be reasonable, Victor. Signor Anselm talks of reason. But what is reason compared to faith in God and the help of the Madonna? During that cruel trek across the Alps, there were times when Anselm had to support the old servant. Times when they were near death from cold and starvation. But at last, they were in the foothills. The good God has been our guide. We have followed in the footsteps of L'Enfant himself. <laughs> God and L'Enfant. You talk as if they're one and the same. He is not man made in the image and likeness of God, Signor. That's not what I meant, and you know it. See, si, Signor. We go now to Normandy? No, we are not going to Normandy. For nearly a year, they roamed over Burgundy and France. And always, they seemed to travel westward in the direction of Normandy. In Avranche, late in August, 1053, word reached Anselm of his father's death in Aosta. We leave tomorrow for home, Victor. Why, Signor Anselm? Because there's work to be done, of course. What work, Signor? The estate to settle. Signor Melini, the lawyer, will settle that. What did you expect me to do? Tomorrow we were to go to Beck, to L'Enfant. All right. We'll leave for home the day after. Victor. Signor? If I devoted my life to taking care of the poor, distributing the money that my father left, wouldn't that be the same thing? The same as what, Signor Anselmo? The same as being a monk. It is not possible to compare a soldier of the Bondillo to a rich man who sits at home and hands out money. All right, Victor. You win. Three years have passed swiftly, and in the chapel of the Monastery of Beck, a newly ordained priest makes profession of the faith he will preach. Credo in Deum, Patrem Omnipotentem Creatorem, Celi et Terre. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Christmas, 1056, in the village of Beck, an old man is dying. Please, Father Anselm, send for Father Anselm. I'm here, Victor. What? I've brought you Holy Viaticum. Oh, thank God. I've also brought you news, Victor. What news, little one? Prior Lanfranc has been elected... Abbot of Caen. 
will follow. I've been elected to succeed him as prior of Beth. <laughs> Madame, your mother will be pleased. Pray for me, Victor. It won't be easy. La Madonna will help you. Prior Anselm developed the school started by Lanfranc in the monastery of Beck until it became the first seat of learning in Europe. Abbot Erloin died. Prior Anselm was elected Abbot of Beck. In England, Lanfranc had become Archbishop of Canterbury. Anselm assisted in his episcopal duties. Longfranc died in May 1089. The people prayed that King William Rufus would appoint the Abbot of Beck as primate of all England. It is May 1092. Anselm is back in England. He requests an audience with King William Rufus. At long last, my good abbot Anselm, you deign to honor us with your presence. I have come to secure your majesty's leave to return to Normandy. Permission not granted. Why not, King Rufus? The king makes decisions. He gives no reasons for them. The king of England rules England, sire. Only courtesy requires an Italian citizen, resident of Normandy, to request permission to return. While you are in my kingdom, Abbot Anselm, you are subject to my command. I am under obedience to His Holiness, Pope Urban II, and to no other, sire. That, my good abbot, does not help your cause. Am I then a prisoner, Your Majesty? With limitations. No need for you to be put in a dungeon, if that's what you mean. I should prefer it, King Rufus. So that my people will make you a martyr... The king can hardly fear the opinions of his subjects. Be careful, Anselm. My patience is short. And mine is exhausted. Your majesty. Guard. Then I am to be forcibly detained. If necessary. For what purpose? I might decide to make you Archbishop of Canterbury. Thank you, sire. However, I decline the honor. You mean, don't you want to be primate of all England? No, sire. If I make you Archbishop... Why do you want me for your Archbishop of Canterbury? My people want you. They've stormed my palace. They fear disaster because the sea is vacant. They're superstitious, a rabble without intelligence. Your Majesty, if I became your Archbishop, would you return all the possessions of Canterbury? Certainly not. They belong to the crown. May God forgive you, Rufus. Ten days later... King William Rufus was stricken with a mysterious malady. He believed, as his doctors believed, that he was dying. And he was afraid to die. He sent for the abbot of Beck. You did this to me. You put a curse on me. Your majesty's conscience must be bad indeed. I'll leave my conscience out of this. Give me absolution that I may die in peace. Absolution is worthless without true repentance and a firm resolve to make amends and sin no more. What do you expect me to do? I'm dying. First, Rufus, you will restore to the church the properties you have unlawfully confiscated. Yes, yes, yes. Give me the last rites. 
Do you acknowledge his holiness, Urban II, duly elected supreme pontiff of the Catholic Church? All right. Well, hurry. It is your majesty's first duty to appoint a metropolitan to the primacy of Canterbury. Well, if I must, must I appoint Anselm, abbot of Beck, archbishop of Canterbury. Now will you give me absolution? Now you must confess your sin. It was a trick. The trick, sire, was yours. You made promises of your own volition which you did not intend to keep. I was dying. It's not fair to take advantage of a dying man. Anselm, I made a promise. I will keep it. To which promise are you now referring, Rufus? The only important one, of course. Every holding previously confiscated will be restored to Canterbury. Now then, my consecration as archbishop cannot be completed unless I go to Rome and receive the pallium from the hands of His Holiness. And I say I will not give you permission to go to Rome, and that is final. Very well, sire. Now, with your permission, I shall return to the monastery and to my right. No, 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 no. You can't do that. You are the Archbishop of Canterbury. The people want you. Are you afraid, Rufus, that I may tell your subjects that you refuse to acknowledge Urban because you fear to lose control of the clergy? Through their freedom from royal domination? It is my right as sovereign lord to prevent any English subject from acknowledging any pope without my consent. Your majesty. No, wait. A compromise. Between right and wrong, there is no compromise. God Almighty gave man the right of free will, and your subjects the right of freedom to worship him. You set yourself above God when you dictate how your people shall believe. You dare to criticize the king? You're trying to dictate to me. No, sire. The facts speak for themselves. I cannot accept the office of Archbishop of Canterbury unless I am properly invested. I will send for the pallium. I will invest you. Knowing well that investiture by a layman is strictly prohibited. Well, I am not just a layman. I'm the king. The pallium is the symbol of homage and fealty. Acceptance of it from the king is to acknowledge royal authority over an office which is in the province of papal authority, an office which belongs to the Holy See and to God. Anselm was virtually a prisoner in England, though allowed the freedom of the monastery. Meanwhile, a plan was born in the twisted mind of King William Rufus. You will proceed to Rome immediately. A royal delegation sent by the great council and the king. You will acknowledge Urban in our name, if necessary. Only get the pallium and a legate to bring it to England. Anselm will have no choice but to accept it. Don't you believe this pallium came from Urban? Yes, I do, sir. But that fact doesn't change the rule. And some you'd try the patience of a saint. Do you doubt the word of Bishop Majoris, the papal legate? No, sir. I do not question the legate's word. But you still refuse to accept it. The law regarding investiture has not changed. Would Urban send it if he didn't give you permission to accept it? That depends on what His Holiness was told. Just what does that mean? Did the king's messenger acknowledge? In the king's name, the supreme pontiff Urban II as Pope 
successor to St. Peter and leader of the Catholic Church? Of course he did. Did King William Rufus send His Holiness the state seal of fealty? That wasn't necessary. The proof is that Urban sent the pallium. His Holiness doesn't know Rufus as I know him. Archbishop Anselm, are you calling me a liar? Your Majesty's conscience interprets my words. I'll have your head for this. Thank you, sire. That will relieve me again of the necessity of filling that vacancy at Canterbury. No, 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 no. You, you don't understand. The people want you. They feel you're the logical one to succeed L'Enfant. They're restless. And even your nobles are beginning to reflect their dread of punishment because England is turning pagan. I'm told the great council got out of hand last week. The date is set. You are to be invested next Sunday. The pallium is here, and there is no further reason. Sire, as long as I am in England, you control my body. You have power to order my death or my torture. You can never control my conscience, nor force me to compromise the dignity of my office, or to disobey the law. La Madonna will help you. The bon Dio will guide you. Did your majesty say, next Sunday? You mean, you will accept the pal here? Next Sunday, I'll be invested and installed as Archbishop of Canterbury, primate of all England, but on one condition. Anything, anything, name it. The pallium will be placed by the papal legate on the altar of Canterbury. I myself will take it from the altar and put it on over my chasuble. For nearly a year, Archbishop Anselm went about his episcopal duties with little trouble or interference from King William Rufus. In September 1097, Thomas of Bayeux, Archbishop of York, died. No, 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 my Lord Archbishop. Crispin is an excellent abbot of Westminster. He's wholly unsuited for York. Sire... Why are you determined to keep the sea vacant? No, I'm not. I, I, I merely want Since to be York sure. Since comes under my jurisdiction, it becomes my duty to appoint a new ecclesiastic to it, with or without the king's consent. You threatened the king, Archbishop Anselm. I state the facts, sire. It is my first duty to fill all seas that have become vacant. Oh, well, that's quite true, but with the king's approval. It seems there is no candidate in all England who meets the approval of Rufus. Then we'll just have to get one from outside England. What are you suggesting? Rufus, what goes on in your twisted mind? You've been wanting to go to Rome. I may suggest you go now and find us a truly suitable candidate. What assurance have I that you'll approve anyone? You have my word on it. Rufus, if this is another of your tricks, God help you. Anselm left England for Rome within the week, fearing that King William Rufus would change his mind. Scarcely had his vessel crossed the channel when the king issued a proclamation. And it is hereby proclaimed that all properties, possessions, and revenues formerly held by the archbishops of Canterbury and York are confiscated to the crown.
Under the circumstances, Your Holiness, I beg permission to retire to the monastery of Schiavi so that I may finish my treatise, Cur Deus Homo. There's nothing more I can do in England. While Anselm wrote his greatest work, in which he tried to make plain, even to infidels, the reason for the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, the force of events wrote history. July 29th. 1099. Pope Urban is dead. August 13th, 1099. Pope Paschal II is elected. August the 2nd, 1100. William Rufus of England, assassinated. Henry I, his youngest brother, succeeds to England's throne in the absence of Robert the Crusader. Shortly after his coronation, Henry restored all church property and recalled the Archbishop of Canterbury. You can't leave us, my Lord Archbishop. The people have been clamoring for you. My position has not changed, Henry. Church law forbids me to do homage to the king. But if you go, who'll consecrate all the new bishops I've invested? Sire, every Catholic churchman in your kingdom who has accepted investiture is under sentence of excommunication. I shall take the matter to Pope Paschal himself. An excellent idea, Henry. His holiness will then be able to judge whether his forbearance in not excommunicating the king is justified. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, that must not be. Anselm, all my predecessors had this privilege. Why should I relinquish it? Gregory VII made the rule in 1082. Urban upheld it. Paschal will uphold it. It is wrong for a layman to invest a churchman with the symbols of his office. Pope Pascal did not excommunicate Henry I. But when Anselm went to Rome about the controversy, and the rule was reaffirmed by the Pope, Henry sent word forbidding the archbishop to return. Anselm retired to Lyon. He was writing in the monastery garden in August, 1107. It's a beautiful garden. Your Majesty. An ideal spot to write. The king has traveled a long way to admire a monastery garden. I've come to take you home, Anselm. I take it your Majesty has heard the news, then. News? My Lord Archbishop, the people want you... And Henry has heard that I have decided to do what the Holy Father has been too patient to do. Anselm, if you excommunicate me now, my brother Robert is planning an invasion. I can't have trouble with the church at this time. Nor any time, Henry. Come back to us, Anselm. My people need you. I need you. England needs you. Your Majesty knows that is impossible. Even if all churchmen were legally invested? Henry, are you telling me... That I have resigned all formal right and authority over the church and churchmen. Sire, is this a trick? I'm ready to go to the Pope with you now to pledge my homage and fealty to him. God be praised. <laughs> 
Pope Paschal gave Anselm power to remove the sentence of excommunication from all churchmen who, having accepted royal investiture, paid homage and fealty to the king's authority. For the next two years, the Archbishop of Canterbury carried on his duties. For he who does not believe will not experience, and he who does not experience will not understand. The starting point of all belief must be faith. Deo gratia. St. Anselm, Archbishop of Canterbury, primate of all England, was stricken while preaching. He died April 21st, 1109, two years after his return from exile. He has been called the greatest thinker ever to adorn the throne of Canterbury. His writings are among the scholastic masterpieces of the world. But Anselm's greatest work was forcing an end to royal control over churches and churchmen through investiture, a control which had lasted for centuries. By so doing, he set the pattern for freedom of religion, which was embodied in the Magna Carta. listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement Graymore. Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen. <laughs>